Megan said that you needed some assistance. I only do ultrasound guided procedures. I want you to hold the probe. This might be a little cold, okay? Don't move. I'll take my tubing. left, angle down just slightly. That's better. Thirteen weaker. Hold I'm still. Stay still. Hold my arm, but you can't wiggle it. Want to get done, don't you? Deep breath. Just hold the probe in place so I can see what I'm doing. Okay, about there. It just moved away from the catheter. They always move. That's why I do it this way. Abby, would it be fair to say all of this and then there were none, your advocacy for the pro-life movement, your ultimate change of heart as a Planned Parenthood clinic director, are all really the result of what went on in your head during that one moment? Yeah, um, I think that's fair to say. I mean, there had been, you know, there had been a few moments that had taken place over 2009, uh, you know, being told that we needed to implement abortion quotas and being told we were, you know, building an abortion facility that was going to kill babies up to six months of pregnancy. You know, there had been a few things over the past year where I feel like my heart had been sort of softened to the humanity of the unborn. But really, I feel like all of those moments were preparing me for that moment. So that I could see what was really taking place in the womb in, in a way that I had never seen before. So that my eyes would be open, so that the veil would be lifted. I could see the humanity of the unborn in the womb and so that I could walk away. Mm. I, I think if those things hadn't have happened, maybe I wouldn't have been ready to take that step. Maybe I wouldn't have had, you know, the faith to, to make that next move. But because, you know, God knew what he was doing and orchestrating every step for me. And so because all of those things had taken place before, I was ready to make that next move. That's awesome. So how did you turn this into the most incredible and frankly unique, only one of its kind organization that helps abortion workers leave the industry? Well, you know, um, I wrote my book, Unplanned, in 2011. It came out 
one eleven eleven, and uh, I I wrote it really in hopes that abortion clinic workers, those still in the industry, would pick it up and read it, maybe as a critic, <laughs> uh, but would think, you know, who is this jerk, you know, that left Planned Parenthood and wrote this book, right? That's sort of that's sort of what I thought, and they read the book. Uh, I was hoping they would read the book, and they did. And so within just a few months of Unplanned being released, I suddenly had 17 abortion workers who had reached out to me, who had said they picked it up as a critic, but they found truth in it. And they were asking me, would you help me leave? And my husband and I were looking around, you know, were there organizations to help People like me, people like these abortion clinic workers, and there wasn't any. And so then we really started praying and we said, okay, God, you know, can you put it on the heart of someone to start an organization to help abortion clinic workers? And, uh, you know, we were really praying that fervently. And then uh, we realized, you know, he was sort of knocking on our heart saying, yeah, it's you, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it on your heart. And so that's when, and then there were none was birth. And, you know, it doesn't end there with helping people leave the industry. What does healing look like for workers who reach out to you for help? You had mentioned healing. Um, how does and then the word none make that happen? Yeah, so, you know, we really provide a comprehensive program. So we have, uh, you know, it, it's sort of that hierarchy of needs, right? So when they come to us, they may have just left their job. Sometimes we're on the phone with them as they are walking out the door of their clinic. So we need to help get them stable, right? So we want to make sure they're not going to lose their home. We want to make sure they have food on the table for their family. So we're going to take care of those needs and make sure they are financially stable. Uh, that's part of where donations go to make sure that nobody's going to be homeless. Nobody's going to go without food, right? So we're going to you know, replace that income make sure that they're taken care of. Because once somebody recognizes what I'm doing here is wrong, what I'm doing here is evil, we don't want them to stay in that place another day. We want them to leave. We don't want them to say, well, I'm going to stay here until I get another job because I, I, I don't want to lose my, my paycheck. No, we will replace that paycheck. We want you out. So that's one of the services that we offer for them. So we want to get them, you know, situated financially, get, you know, make sure that they're stable. We have um, case managers that work with them, headhunters that work with them, making sure that they are looking for jobs. We have a professional resume writer on staff. He gets their resume up to date. He has literally written a beautiful resume off of a napkin that somebody wrote their resume on. Um, he is phenomenal. We have job coaches um, on staff to work with them. You know, the case managers are really their point people. So they are working with them, befriending them. Uh, they're with them through this transition. It's a very, uh, you know, emotional transition. It can be spiritually challenging if they are a person of faith. Of course, there will be many spiritual attacks coming at them um, if, they, if they are, you know, spiritually inclined. So we want to get them in a church home if that's something that they desire. So we work with them on that. Um, um, and then we also have licensed professional counselors on staff. And so if that's something that they feel like they need, which most of them do, we want to get them into professional counseling because many of these clients experience 
severe trauma, PTSD. Um, they have nightmares, things that they've experienced in the clinic. They come out through anxiety, depression. 38% of our clients experience suicidal ideation. Um, you know, the national average is something like 6%. Um, our clients are 30, 38% and 12% have actually attempted suicide. Hmm. So, you know, we have a, a, a mental health crisis on our hands when workers actually do take the step and, and leave their facilities. So that's why professional counseling is so important. We also have a healing retreat program, which is just a beautiful program where the workers come together in group therapy form. We have those ongoing throughout the year to really build up that tribe and that sisterhood. And, um, and so it's really a comprehensive program Whatever these these women and, and sometimes men, but it's primarily women. Whatever these clients need, we are we are literally there to serve them and and take care of those needs. I mean, won't clinics just hire more workers? You know, sometimes they do. But what we have seen is that some in in some areas, and we've seen this in a couple of places. You know, we're trying to create a stigma around working in the abortion industry, right? It's not normal to work at an abortion clinic. And that's what we're trying to, we're trying to create a stigma around that. You don't wanna work in an abortion clinic. It's not normal. It's not a healthy environment, right? And so we're having success at doing that. And we've actually seen several abortion facilities close across the country and they cite that they closed because they could not find staff. We were actually able to drain a couple of facilities of their entire staff. We drained the entire clinic of their staff and the, the clinic ended up closing because they could not replace their staff. They just could not find anybody who wanted to work in an abortion clinic, which is fantastic. That's yeah. exactly what we want, right? And another thing that started happening was that a lot of these abortion clinic workers were coming forward and they knew, like I said before, they knew of violations. They knew of health code violations. They knew the dirty secrets, right? The dirty laundry of the abortion facility. And they actually wanted to come forward. They wanted to talk to local authorities, state authorities, sometimes even federal authorities about what was going on inside of their facilities where they worked. And so we were able to facilitate that conversation. And we've been able to shut down 28 abortion facilities where these workers were previously employed. So that's actually happening too, because these workers are leaving. So yes, um, you know, sometimes they do just replace the employees. But the important thing is that these people, these 600 men and women who have left, they are no longer part of this dehumanization cycle. And that's what matters. It matters to these 600 people. And the people that they replace them with, well, guess what? We'll be waiting for them too right? When they decide to get out of the industry, we're here for them too. But we believe that slowly but surely, these abortion facilities will close. We believe that uh, these abortion clinic workers do have the information that is needed to shut down these abortion facilities. And we believe that it's happening. We're already seeing that it's happening. Say an abortion worker or someone who knows an abortion worker might be watching and wants to find out more. 
what can they do? Yeah, go to abortionworker.com. Even if you've been an abortion worker many years ago, we're here for you. And that's one of the things that we found, Jamie, was that we started getting emails from women who had kept this secret of being an abortion worker for 20 or 30 years. They had worked in the industry in the 80s, right? In the 70s. And they had never told anyone that they had ever worked in the abortion clinic. And so they were living with this trauma for years and years of their life in secret. Um, and, and so they felt like they were in bondage because of this. And so they started coming to our healing retreats. They started coming out and coming to our healing retreats and sharing this and experiencing freedom from this shame and this guilt that they had felt. And it was so beautiful to be able to experience that with them. And so, you know, we know as Christians that there is no condemnation in Christ. There is no shame in Christ. And that's what we want everyone to experience that has ever been that's ever participated in abortion, whether it's something that they've, you know, they've had an abortion, they've been a worker in an abortion clinic, they've taken someone to have an abortion, whatever it is, we don't want you to, to experience that bondage anymore. We want you to set that free. And so that's part of what our healing program is all about. And so even if you're a person that worked in the industry a long time ago, whether you're a current abortion clinic worker, you can get all of the resources that you need at our website, abortionworker.com. Well, what about people like me who think what you're doing is amazing and want to support your efforts? Yeah. Same website, abortionworker.com. <laughs> There's a, a donate button there. We would absolutely love to have your support. You can make a tax deductible donation there. We have some volunteer opportunities. We have a handwritten card ministry. We have a couple of other ways that people can get involved if they want to volunteer. Abby Johnson, I could talk to you for hours. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what your ladies do. Thank you for being the first guest on the show. I'd love to have you on in the future. Hopefully people will see this and support what you're doing because I certainly do. Thank you so much for having me on anytime. Don't go away. Hey guys, we're so excited to announce the official release date of our new film, Ballads of the Exodus. This is a movie, a film that was designed to be experienced in a communal collective environment, to watch together over the course of half of a day. This is a long film, it's three and a half hours long. Ballads of the Exodus is going to be released on the FAI app and the FAI app alone. So we're going to be putting out a number of videos and articles that are going to describe in a little bit more detail uh, what the film is, the direction that we took as in, in producing it, and also some ideas for what you could do in your community to host people and to pull people into this, uh, which we hope would be a catalyst for going deep in the book of Exodus and in the scripture itself. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the first episode of Kingdom's Cornerstone News. Thank you so much for making it to the end. If you like this show, please give us a thumbs up and consider subscribing to it. We'd also very much appreciate you tweeting about it, letting your friends and family know about it, and just generally helping to get the word out. 
If you have a story idea, if you saw something today that got your attention, most importantly, if you'd like to know more about becoming a citizen of this kingdom I keep talking about here, please reach out to me personally at jamie@thekey.com. And while you can catch Kingdom's Cornerstone News on YouTube, you can always go to our main website to watch it as well, kcn.thekeeve.com. Thank you so much for watching Kingdom's Cornerstone News. I'm Jamie Kiever, and we'll see you again next week. Our next guest is one of those unsung heroes, Abby Johnson. She's made national headlines several times, not too long back for the feature film Unplanned, based on the novel of her journey from a Planned Parenthood clinic director to a pro-life advocate, ultimately helping abortion workers leave the industry and find new employment. Abby, thank you for coming on and thank you for being the first guest, the first live guest. Of course, yeah, I'm so glad to be with you. All right, so you know how strongly I feel about And Then There Were None. I've had the opportunity to get to know a lot of your team, but can you maybe explain for the audience who might not know what is And Then There Were None and what do you do? Yeah, I mean, we help abortion clinic workers leave the abortion industry. I mean, it's pretty simple. We believe that our vision statement is simple. We believe that if there's no more abortion clinic workers, then there will be no more abortion clinics. And if there's no more abortion clinics, then there will be no more abortions. And so uh, we're trying to end abortion from the inside out. Yeah, I want to ask you more about that. But first, is it a religious organization? Do you have to be Christian or Catholic or any denomination to get help? You absolutely do not. So, you know, of course, we know that true healing, just from my, my, my own journey and, and uh, you know, my own conversion experience and my own life, I know that my, my healing came from Jesus Christ. And so, you know, that's, that's part of my own life and my own testimony. But, you know, Jamie, we have had atheists come through and then there were none. We have had uh, we've had a Muslim come through and then there were none. We had a Buddhist come through and then there were none. Um, you know, we have had people of all faith traditions, no faith tradition come through and then there were none. And, you know, they are part of our tribe. They are, um, you know, part of, of the beauty that brings us all together is that we have a, a similar shared experience. And we're coming from all different backgrounds, all different faith denominations, all different experiences. Um, but it's that shared experience of working in the abortion clinic that makes us the same. And, and so we can love each other. We can have these shared experiences, even though we may have different backgrounds. And so, you know, we, we help people who, um, you know, are married, are single, are in the LGBT population. Uh, anybody is welcome to be a part of our tribe is, is welcomed into our tribe. And so, you know, even though that was definitely a part of my testimony, it does not have to be a part of anyone else's testimony to get help. Excellent. Now, isn't the abortion industry mostly nurses and doctors? I mean, can't they just find another job if they want to leave? Yeah, that's a question I get asked a lot. 
So, you know, it is made up of a lot of nurses and doctors, but honestly, the majority of people who are working day in and day out in these clinics are people who aren't certified at all in the, in the medical industry. So, um, you know, they're working as medical assistants, but most of them don't have the certification of a medical assistant. And so, you know, when they decide to leave their jobs, but even Jamie, when, when these nurses decide to leave their jobs, even if they're lab technicians, you know, even if they do have a certification, um, you know, there's really something hanging over their head from the abortion industry. They are told that, you know, we'll give you a bad reference if you leave us. We will blackball you from the medical industry. You'll never be able to work in the medical industry again. You know, some of our some of our clients, some of our former workers, they say that, you know, their time working in the abortion industry was like working in a cult. And it really sort of is. I mean, you're brainwashed like you're in a cult. Um, you know, you're sort of blackmailed like you're in a cult. Many of the workers, when they leave the abortion industry, myself included, they find themselves in a courtroom against their former employer. Um, you know, the abortion workers that leave are the greatest threat to the abortion industry because we know all of the secrets, right? We know all the dirty laundry. We know where all the secrets are hidden. We know where all the bodies are buried, right? So um, they don't want us to speak publicly. They don't want us to do shows like this. They don't want us to talk about everything that we know. And so they want to keep us quiet and they will do anything uh, at any cost to make sure that our voices are silenced. And unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily end there. What about the church? I mean, right or wrong, I can understand an employer maybe being reluctant to hire an abortion worker. But can you talk about reactions you've seen from some within the church when it's discovered someone maybe has gotten help from your nonprofit organization? Yeah. You know, um, I would like to say that, uh, you know, everyone in the, uh, you know, Everyone in the church has been supportive or, or everyone, even in the pro-life movement, has been supportive of, and then there were none, supportive of the work that we're doing. But you know what? I, I remember when I first started and then there were none, I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be so great, right? No one has ever had an organization that reaches out to abortion clinic workers. I mean, how fantastic. What a great idea, right? I thought I was coming with with some amazing idea to the pro-life movement. And I remember, you know, when we started and then there were none, we had our first webcast, June 6th of 2012. And I remember the comments that I got, and these were, you know, mainly from, from Christian pro-lifers. And they were saying to us, why would we ever want to help an abortion clinic worker? You know, they've made their bed. They can lie in it. And I thought... Mm. Well, gosh, I mean, if you're a Christian, don't you believe in God's saving mercy? Don't you believe in salvation? Don't you believe in God's grace? And it was like a punch in the gut to me. I mean, as someone, I, I am a person who helped to facilitate over 22,000 abortions. And these were people who were saying this to me. And mm -hmm. I thought, wait, you believed in mercy for me. Why not believe in mercy for them? And, you know, 
it's been a it's been a it's been a journey, but I am seeing progress. I am seeing progress in the movement. I am seeing progress in the church. You know, before I would you know post these things on social media and it would be me in the comment section, right? Like defending these people and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, we need to have mercy on those who have repented. Hold on, right? Uh, you know, it's, and, and, and you know, I've always said it, God leaving the 99 to save the one doesn't make a lot of sense unless you are that one, right? And yeah. I, I have been that one. And I would venture to say that anyone who is a Christian has been that one. Yeah, and so that's why it's so shocking for me to hear uh, some of those comments. Um, but uh, let's rewind a little bit if, we, if yeah. we could. There was a lot of controversy because the movie Unplanned visually told the story of a really important moment for you. We're going to take a look at that clip, but if there are any sensitive eyes, you may want to fast forward a minute and 45 seconds. Megan said that you needed some assistance. I only do ultrasound-guided procedures. I want you to hold probe. This might be a little cold, okay? Don't move. I'll take my tubing. down just slightly. That's better. Thirteen weaker. Hold I'm still. Stay still. Hold my arm, but you can't wiggle it. Want to get done, don't you? Deep breath. Just hold the probe in place so I can see what I'm doing. Okay. There. It just moved away from the catheter. They always move. That's why I do it this way. Abby, would it be fair to say all of this and then there were none, your advocacy for the pro-life movement, your ultimate change of heart as a Planned Parenthood clinic director, are all really the result of what went on in your head during that one moment? Yeah, um, I think that's fair to say. I mean, there had been, you know, there had been a few moments that had taken place over 2009, uh, you know, being told that we needed to implement abortion quotas and being told we were, you know, building an abortion facility that was going to kill babies up to six months of pregnancy. You know, there had been a few things over the past year where I feel like my heart had been sort of softened to the humanity of the unborn. But really, I feel like all of those moments were preparing me for that moment so that I could see what was really taking place in the womb in, in a way that I had never seen before 
so that my eyes would be open, so that the veil would be lifted, I could see the humanity of the unborn in the womb, and so that I could walk away. Mm. I, I think if those things hadn't have happened, maybe I wouldn't have been ready to take that step. Maybe I wouldn't have had, you know, the faith to to make that next move. But because, you know, God knew what he was doing and orchestrating every step for me. And so because all of those things had taken place before, I was ready to make that next move. That's awesome. So how did you turn this into the most incredible and frankly unique only one of its kind organization that helps abortion workers leave the industry? Well, you know, um, I wrote my book, Unplanned, in 2011. It came out 1-11-11. And uh, I, I wrote it really in hopes that abortion clinic workers, those still in the industry, would pick it up and read it, maybe as a critic, <laughs> Uh, but would think, you know, who is this jerk, you know, that left Planned Parenthood and wrote this book, right? That's sort of, that's sort of what I thought. And they read the book. Uh, I was hoping they would read the book and they did. And so within just a few months of Unplanned being released, I suddenly had 17 abortion workers who had reached out to me, who had said they picked it up as a critic but they found truth in it. And they were asking me, would you help me leave? And my husband and I were looking around, you know, were there organizations to help people like me, people like these abortion clinic workers? And there wasn't any. And so then we really started praying and we said, okay, God, you know, can you put it on the heart of someone to start an organization to help abortion clinic workers? And, uh, you know, we were really praying that fervently. And then uh, we realized, you know, he was sort of knocking on our heart saying, yeah, it's you, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it on your heart. And so that's when, and then there were none was birth. And, you know, it doesn't end there with helping people leave the industry. What does healing look like for workers who reach out to you for help? You had mentioned healing. Um, how does and then the word none make that happen? Yeah, so you know we really provide a comprehensive program. So we have, uh, you know, it, it's sort of that hierarchy of needs, right? So when they come to us, they may have just left their job. Sometimes we're on the phone with them as they are walking out the door of their clinic. So we need to help get them stable, right? So we want to make sure they're not going to lose their home. We want to make sure they have food on the table for their family. So we're going to take care of those needs and make sure they are financially stable. Uh, that's part of where donations go to make sure that nobody's going to be homeless. Nobody's going to go without food, right? So we're going to you know, replace that income make sure that they're taken care of. Because once somebody recognizes what I'm doing here is wrong, what I'm doing here is evil, we don't want them to stay in that place another day. We want them to leave. We don't want them to say, well, I'm going to stay here until I get another job because I, I, I don't want to lose my, my paycheck. No, we will replace that paycheck. We want you out. So that's one of the services that we offer for them. So we want to get them, you know, situated financially, get, you know, make sure that they're stable. We have um, case managers that work with them, headhunters that work with them, making sure that they are looking for jobs. We have a professional resume writer on staff. 
He gets their resume up to date. He has literally written a beautiful resume off of a napkin that somebody wrote their resume on. Um, he is phenomenal. We have job coaches um, on staff to work with them. You know, the case managers are really their point people. So they are working with them, befriending them. Uh, they're with them through this transition. It's a very, uh, you know, emotional transition. It can be spiritually challenging if they are a person of faith. Of course, there will be many spiritual attacks coming at them um, if, they, if they are, you know, spiritually inclined. So we want to get them in a church home if that's something that they desire. So we work with them on that. Um, and then we also have licensed professional counselors on staff. And so if that's something that they feel like they need, which most of them do, we want to get them into professional counseling because many of these clients experience severe trauma, PTSD. Um, they have nightmares, things that they've experienced in the clinic. They come out through anxiety, depression, 38% of our clients experience suicidal ideation. Um, you know, the national average is something like 6%. Um, our clients are 30, 38% and 12% have actually attempted suicide. Hmm. So, you know, we have a, a, a mental health crisis on our hands when workers actually do take the step and, and leave their facilities. So that's why professional counseling is so important. We also have a healing retreat program, which is just a beautiful program where the workers come together in group therapy form. We have those ongoing throughout the year to really build up that tribe and that sisterhood. And, um, and so it's really a comprehensive program Whatever these these women and, and sometimes men, but it's primarily women, whatever these clients need, we are we are literally there to serve them and, and take care of those needs. I mean, won't clinics just hire more workers? You know, sometimes they do. But what we have seen is that some in, in some areas and we've seen this in a couple of places, you know, we're trying to create a stigma around working in the abortion industry, right? It's not normal to work at an abortion clinic. And that's what we're trying to, we're trying to create a stigma around that. You don't wanna work in an abortion clinic. It's not normal. It's not a healthy environment, right? And so we're having success at doing that. And we've actually seen several abortion facilities close across the country and they cite that they closed because they could not find staff. We were actually able to drain a couple of facilities of their entire staff. We drained the entire clinic of their staff and the, the clinic ended up closing because they could not replace their staff. They just could not find anybody who wanted to work in an abortion clinic, which is fantastic. That's yeah. exactly what we want. Right. And another thing that started happening was that a lot of these abortion clinic workers were coming forward and they knew, like I said before, they knew of violations. They knew of health code violations. They knew the dirty secrets, right? The dirty laundry of the abortion facility. And they actually wanted to come forward. They wanted to talk to local authorities, state authorities, sometimes even federal authorities about what was going on inside of their facilities where they worked. And so we were able to facilitate that conversation. And we've been able to shut down 28 abortion facilities where these workers were previously employed. So 
that's actually happening too because these workers are leaving. So yes, um, you know, sometimes they do just replace the employees, but the important thing is that these people, these 600 men and women who have left, they are no longer part of this dehumanization cycle. And that's what matters. It matters to these 600 people. And the people that they replace them with, well, guess what? We'll be waiting for them too, right? When they decide to get out of the industry, we're here for them too. But we believe that slowly but surely, these abortion facilities will close. We believe that uh, these abortion clinic workers do have the information that is needed to shut down these abortion facilities. And we believe that it's happening. We're already seeing that it's happening. Say an abortion worker or someone who knows an abortion worker might be watching and wants to find out more. What can they do? Yeah, go to abortionworker.com. Even if you've been an abortion worker many years ago, we're here for you. And that's one of the things that we found, Jamie, was that we started getting emails from women who had kept this secret of being an abortion worker for 20 or 30 years. They had worked in the industry in the 80s, right, in the 70s, and they had never told anyone that they had ever worked in the abortion clinic. And so they were living with this trauma for years and years of their life in secret. Um, and, and so they felt like they were in bondage because of this. And so they started coming to our healing retreats. They started coming out and coming to our healing retreats and sharing this and experiencing freedom from this shame and this guilt that they had felt. And it was so beautiful to be able to experience that with them. And so, you know, we know as Christians that there is no condemnation in Christ. There is no shame in Christ. And that's what we want everyone to experience that has ever been, that has ever participated in abortion, whether it's something that they've, you know, they've had an abortion, they've been a worker in an abortion clinic, they've taken someone to have an abortion, whatever it is, we don't want you to, to experience that bondage anymore. We want you to set that free. And so that's part of what our healing program is all about. And so even if you're a person that worked in the industry a long time ago, whether you're a current abortion clinic worker, you can get all of the resources that you need at our website, abortionworker.com. Well, what about people like me who think what you're doing is amazing and want to support your efforts? Yeah. Same website, abortionworker.com. <laughs> There's a, a donate button there. We would absolutely love to have your support. You can make a tax deductible donation there. We have some volunteer opportunities. We have a handwritten card ministry. We have a couple of other ways that people can get involved if they want to volunteer. Abby Johnson, I could talk to you for hours. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what your ladies do. Thank you for being the first guest on the show. I'd love to have you on in the future. Hopefully people will see this and support what you're doing because I certainly do. Thank you so much for having me on anytime. <laughs>